Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Good morning, everybody. Y'all are pretty awake. I like it on this Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for being with us and worshiping with us today. I know there's a lot of different places you could be, and I'm so thankful that we get to open up God's Word today. And for those who, like I said, I'm Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm going to go ahead and start off this sermon with a confession. We're at church. We can be honest with each other, right? What we're about to be. So the other day, probably a few weeks ago, I'm innocently driving in my car on Medical Center, probably singing Mariah Carey, Oh Sweet sweet Day, Boyz II Man, Mariah Carey, Glory, right? Um, I'm I'm driving along, and then I see something out of my peripheral vision. It's this thing called Crumble Cookies. And I think to myself, I don't know what a crumble cookie is, but I'm ready to find out. And so I don't think much about it going forward, and a couple of weeks pass, and then I have a couple of friends on Instagram sharing that they got a free cookie from Crumble Cookie. They were giving away free cookies, but I did not go and get a free cookie. You may have, but I did not. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and kids went out of town. And I said, you know, I'm going to innocently just, you know, I'm just going to explore. Just see what this crumble cookie is all about. So I noticed that they have an app. (laughs) Yeah, I downloaded it. Um, So I'm on the app, and then I see something that really catches my eye. Delivery. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... I'm looking on it, I was like, you know what, I, I probably should try it, this delivery thing. Let's just see if it works so I can help other people, you know. And so I don't just order one cookie, I order four. Because what's better than one? Four cookies. <laughs> so I order the cookies, and about 30 to 40 minutes later, a nice little delivery person shows up at my house, and they go, here are your warm cookies, sir. My what? Here are your warm cookies, sir. So I go in the house by myself with no judgmental eyes on me. I open up the box of these crumble cookies. And y'all, I pull out a chocolate chip cookies that's as big as my face. And I just went, praise him, right? I mean, it was a wor- I was worshiping y'all. And so, and it was warm. So you know with a warm chocolate chip cookie, you got to do the warm test. You know what I'm talking about? Where you take it and you break it into and you see the like the chocolate chips just holding on to each other right and you're like oh it's about to go down and so I was there and I only ate one that night everybody only ate one that night um that night um and here's the deal the next day my wife comes home from out of town and I go hey girl I bought us some cookies which was partially true 
And here's the deal. You might be saying, Nick, there's nothing wrong with a cookie. And I would tell you, you are right. But here's the problem with me. And this probably is not you, but this is me. So at the beginning of the year, I decided I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to make healthier decisions. I'm going to go to the gym as much as, as possible. I'm going to try to eat less carbs and more protein and more green things. And, and I've made that choice, and I'm going to walk in that. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with one cookie. But, y'all, I don't want just one cookie. I don't. It's the same problem I have when I go to Krispy Kreme. You go, I'm only going to eat one. And then six later, you're like, what did I do? That is me. That is me. And so the problem with these crumble cookies is not eating the one, but it's eating them every week. Because ever since I first stepped into engaging the crumble cookies, there has been a pink box at my house every single week. And sometimes I'm like, I don't, I, we shouldn't. And I talk to my, I'm like, girl, we shouldn't, but I'm going to go ahead and order. But, so we should. And have you ever noticed that once one, one person goes, well, if you order them, I'll eat them. You're like, yeah, let's do this together. <laughs> and so the problem has been that I kind of want to have crumble cookies every single week and still be healthy. Can I tell you, those two things cannot coexist together. And it's interesting for me, like I know that these two things can't coexist together, but yet I keep trying to eat as many cookies as I want and still be healthy. They do not go together. And if you think about it in your own life, there are things that you are trying to do at the same time that you cannot do. You cannot run in two opposite directions at the same time. You can't do it. We all may try to do it, but you cannot run in the opposite direction. You can't. And so the church that we're going to explore today, the church at Pergamum, was trying to do the exact same thing. They said, yes, Jesus, we will follow where you lead. Yes, Jesus, we will accept your invitation. But we're also going to add a couple of other things. See, they were trying to live a life that was both and. I want Jesus and what I want. The same kind of life that I try to live so often. I want Jesus, but I also want my way. I want the crumble cookies, and I still want to be fully healthy. See, we can't do it both and. Jesus has invited us to do it either or. But yet so many of us are trying to live lives where it's both and. And he has a warning for this church at Pergamum. He's going, listen, you can't do it both and. It has to be either or. Either you're going to fully surrender or you're not going to be surrendered. Because reminder, partial surrender, everybody, is not surrendered. And so over the course of the next few moments, we're going to explore what that looks like, how we can walk differently, and some things we can learn from this church written many, many years ago. So I invite you right where you are, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, for those of us in here, Lord, that so often try to live, as James says, a double-minded life. Lord, may today be a day where we walk in a new direction. May we not be a people, Lord, that are divided, that try to chase after mediocrity and excellence at the same time because that cannot be done. And so, Father, over the next few moments, will you reveal some truth to us? But also, Father, may we not be a people that just hear your word but do nothing with it. May what is heard today lead us to walk in a different way. So, Father, we're listening. We're willing. We pray that you will speak and we pray that you will move. And we pray all these things in your awesome 
and amazing name, amen. So we started off this series in Revelation 1, and we discovered that really Revelation just means an unveiling of Jesus. And we saw in Revelation 1, Jesus, who was not in the manger, who was not on the cross, but this resurrected king who was coming back in full glory with nothing veiled but revealing himself as how he really, really is. We saw Jesus with this white hair of wisdom. And we saw a picture of Jesus that we typically aren't familiar with, this resurrected king who is high and who is on his throne. And then we went to Revelation 2 and we started to explore these letters that were written to these specific seven churches. And we saw in Ephesus, they had the right theology and they had the right thinking, but yet they didn't love people really well. They forgot about their first love. And then last week we saw this church in Smyrna that was persecuted, that was suffering, but yet they saw that the Lord was still moving and the Lord was still working in spite of the suffering and in spite of the persecution, he was working that out for their good. And today, the church at Pergamum, we're going to see that it was a church that were, both of these streams or thought was running into it. Yes, they had head knowledge and right theology. And yes, they were somewhat persecuted because of where they were positioned. But also, they let a little compromise sneak in, which is what Jesus is going to speak to specifically. This church at Pergamon was located in the north. It was the most northern of all the churches. It sat in the Asia province. It was the capital of the Roman Empire in the Asian province. So what that means is it had more political influence, even more so than the church at Ephesus that was bigger, but they had more of a position of influence. Also, there was, this was a melting pot of culture. It was a melting pot of religion. And so there were temples to all kind of other gods. But yet here was this church at Pergamum that was positioned so perfectly and strategically. Why? So that it could shine even brighter for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they did well. They were doing well, but yet they still had some compromise. So let's begin to read about this church in verse number 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. See, when we read that, we just go, okay, Jesus, you're holding a sword, you're in your mouth, this is double-edged sword. What does that even mean? In this culture, the people listening to this letter would automatically know what they're talking about. When it says the double two-edged sword, they're talking about this broad sword. And at this time, the Roman emperor was known to have the sword. That means that whatever he said went. And the person who is sitting in Pergamum at this time, who was kind of ruling that province, had all power and all control. But Jesus is going to say something that totally flips the script on all of this. He says, listen, I am the one who ultimately holds the double-edged sword. It may appear that the emperor is in control. It may appear that the person sitting in this province is in control. But I'm here to tell you that I am the one that is in control. Jesus is the one who sits on the throne. And y'all, that is good news for us today. I don't know if you listen to the news or watch the news or if you ever dare get on social media, but if you listen to what the world is saying, it's saying everything is out of control. All these people sit on the throne and we are doomed. Can I just tell you something? Jesus is not in heaven panicking right now. 
Jesus is not twiddling his thumbs and wondering, man, I wonder what's going to happen. Why? Because he's already won. And so because we have been invited by the king to sit at his table, and because he has already won, we get to share in that victory. Jesus is the one who sits on the throne. And I think for us, that should allow us to breathe a little easier. Yes, things are going to happen that are crazy, but we ultimately know that Jesus is the one who is on the throne, y'all. And because he's on the throne, he's in charge. And he's reminding this church the same thing that he is reminding us of today. It's going to be okay. I've got it. Just trust me. I'm on the throne. And Jesus reminds these early believers in John chapter 14 of this in verse 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What I love is what this scripture does not say. Jesus doesn't go, hey, I am a way, I am a truth, and I am a life. No, no, no. He's saying, no, no, no. I'm the one. Everything was created for me and through me. I am the one. I am the one who sits on the throne. Caesar may think he is the one, but he is not the one. He's only allowed power that I allow him to have. I am the one who is on the throne. And I'm telling you, sometimes I don't live my life reflective of that truth. Sometimes I live my life in such a way that I wonder, I wonder wonder who's in control. And Jesus goes, hey, Nick, I already told you who's in control. The one who overcame the grave is the one who is on the throne. Verse 13. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast to my name. And you did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Jesus reminds them of a truth that they needed to hear and a truth that we need to hear today. Jesus sees where you are. What does that mean? He has not forgotten about you. He has not forsaken you. He knows what is going on, and he is with you. Jesus sees exactly where you are. And he's reminded this church, I know that you're in a melting pot of all kinds of beliefs and temples and religions, but I want you to know that I see you, and I'm for you, and I'm with you. I see where you are. And don't we a lot of times have this posture and we wonder, Jesus, do you not see what's going on in my life? Did you not hear the diagnosis? Do you not see the trouble between me and my spouse? Do you not see that my kid is running the opposite way that I'm trying to encourage him to run? Do you not see our finances? Do you not see where I am? Jesus, hear me, everybody. He sees you. You have not been forsaken And you will not be forsaken. He has not forgotten about you. And maybe for you, that's your takeaway today. There might be some other things we take away today, but you go, you know what? I needed to hear that. And then he kind of elevates this Antipas guy. Antipas, who was apparently martyred, who was apparently he kept walking the way that Jesus invited him to walk. He lived his life in such a way where he was chasing after Jesus, where he kept saying yes to the invitation. And that invitation led him to being martyred. And he goes, listen, you haven't lost sight of whose you are. 
you continue to hold on to me. And here's an encouragement for us today. We need to hold on to Jesus. We fix our eyes on his face and we hold on to his hand. Hear me. Knowing that sometimes that will lead us through the valley. And we learned that from the church in Smyrna. We learned that like even though you're walking in obedience, it doesn't mean that it's always easy, but it does mean that we are walking into what is best. And best does not always equate to convenient. I think sometimes for me, I get confused. I'm like, well, Jesus, I know you're calling me to this, but this is hard. I think about it every time I send my kids off to school. Like, you're calling me to parent these kids who are going to be around kids who know nothing about you, and they're going to be mean to my kid. I'm going to drop kick another kid, Lord. And I know that the Lord has called me and my family to be the light that shines in dimly lit places. I know that. But can I tell you, it's difficult, right? Like, Lord, I know you're calling us to be the light, but sometimes the darkness makes me want to drop kick it. But that is not meaning that the Lord is not calling me to walk this way. Listen, just because it's not convenient doesn't mean it's not from God. And so he says, hold on to my hand. Why? Because I will lead you to the best place. But you have to trust me and you have to surrender. You have to surrender your ways. You have to surrender your best for my best. Are you willing to surrender? And then in verse number 14, this conversation is going to take a turn. And it's a turn that we've all came in contact with before. It's kind of like this. When you were a kid or a teenager, you get in the car with your mom or your dad or your grandma, and and they go, hey, how was your day? You go, well, it was good. And they go, why did you lie to me? Like, what just happened? The conversation turned quickly, right? So here is Jesus. He's going, hey, Lyle, listen, I see where you are. I'm on the throne. Don't forget. Thank you for holding on to me. But there's some things we need to talk about. And then verse number 14 happens. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak, to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. What Jesus is going, what he's doing, he's going back to numbers. He's going, listen, there was a story of Balaam where Balaam started teaching some slightly off things that eventually led the nation of Israel to disobedience into a place that they never intended. This is what you are doing now. So they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. Verse number 15. So also, you have some who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And what are you saying? These Nicolaitans, their teaching is slightly off. If you give in to compromise, you're not going to end up in the place that I have called you to, even if it's the slightest of compromise. He says, see what happened with Balaam and Balak. That's the same thing that's going to happen to you. Here is the charge against this church. You have chosen both and I have called you to me. I have called you to follow me. I have called you to surrender all. But you are partially surrendered and you're allowing lesser things to distract you, which will lead you to a place that is not where I have called you to be. This is not a both and invitation. It's me or not me. It's surrendered or not surrendered. 
It's stepping into best or being okay with your mediocrity that will not ever lead you to life that is to the full. That is what you are doing. That's my charge against you. Because Jesus invites us into what is best. And so often for me, I try to choose mediocrity and best and and get frustrated because I can't do that. Let me give you an example. Let's take this cookie. This is called an orange roll cookie, praise Jesus. It tastes like an orange cinnamon roll, I hear. Um, So let's say tomorrow, we know it's Memorial Day. We're going to celebrate all that was given on our behalf so that we can live in the country that's free. And we're going to celebrate that with some hot dogs, hamburgers, and watermelon. Praise Jesus. And let's say, but before we do that, we know that we might not eat the best. But before we do that, we're going to go to the gym and work out. Let's say you go to the same gym I do. And on tomorrow morning, I see you at the gym and you're on the Stairmaster. You're, you're getting it. You're like, oh, I'm walking. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm walking. And I see you on there. I'm like, look at you. You go. Come on. And I get on the Stairmaster too, and we're walking together, right? Look at us. We're sweating, glistening. Mm, look at all this goodness. Then as we're talking, I'm like, you know what? I need a little something to help me make it all the rest of the way. And I pull out my orange roll cookie, and I'm like, you know what? Praise Jesus for the Stairmaster. And I just take a bite. As you look at me, you want to punch me. Why? Part of the reason is I'm not sharing my cookie with you. But the other reason is it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that I would be eating a crumble cookie while on the Stairmaster. You would look at that and go, that feels off to me. But yet, how many times in our life do we try to do the exact same thing? We try to hold on to the crumble cookie and walk in obedience, and walk towards what's best. Here's what is true, everybody. You can't walk in two different directions at the same time. And that frustrates me too. And there are times where I try to prove that to be wrong. No, I can do that today. I'm going to figure it out. But you know what I have learned time and time and time again is I cannot walk in two different directions. Here's what is true for you as well. You cannot walk in two different directions. And so often we go, but it's just a little fill in the blank. It's not that big of a deal. It won't be that bad. Can I go ahead and tell you something? If you have to put a clarifying statement in front of it, you probably shouldn't do it. If you say it's not that bad, guess what? It's still bad. And we say that, why? Because we want to feel better about our disobedience. Let's just be real. If I say it's not that bad, then I don't feel as bad because I still get to do it. And here's what's crazy. We sometimes are surprised by where we end up. Like, well, I knew I compromised, but this is not where I wanted to be. No. You're like, I wanted what was best, and I thought by satisfying my own selfish desires would get me to what is best. It doesn't, everybody. And can I also say this? I want you to think about something for a second. Think about who has been your worst enemy. Think about that for a minute. Some of y'all are thinking, oh, my spouse. Some of y'all are thinking, oh, my parents. Some of y'all are filling in the blank with someone else's name, but I'm just going to just be honest with you. 
my worst enemy, the person that has led me astray the most, is me. But you know what I keep doing? I'll keep going, all right, me, lead me to what's best. And me goes, okay. <laughs> Can I just tell you, by listening to me and my selfish desires, I never end up at what is best. But on the flip side, every time I go, Jesus, you lead, I will follow. Jesus, you lead, I will follow. It always leads me to what is best. Notice, I did not say what is convenient and what is easy, but it's always best. And I know that, but yet sometimes in my own dysfunction, I keep trying to do it my own way, and then I'm surprised that I'm not getting what I want to get. And it's because I will receive and accept small compromises and still expect to get where God wants me, and it does not work. Here's what is true. The most dangerous lie is that which is closest to the truth. See, what was so dangerous for this church and Pergamum was the fact that they were listening to this teaching that was slightly off. And can I just tell you, like, that's one of the plays of the enemy. Let me tell you something that's not fully true, but that kind of sounds like it. We can go back to the Garden of Eden. Eve is standing there. The serpent slithers up and goes, hey, girl, did God really say not to eat from that tree? What did he do? He just kind of slightly changed it. Did God really say that or did he say this? And we know how that story ended, right? Not good. It ended up with this sin entering the world. It ended up with them being thrown off the path of what was best. Why? Because Eve chose to compromise in ever so slightly way and it did not end, she did not end up in the place that she was intended to go. And every person in every church is acceptable to just a little compromise that will get us off of what is best. I'm just telling you, the small compromises of life never lead us to the place that we really wanted to go. And here's the deal. If you talk to people and you see that their life's in a mess, they didn't just make one huge compromise. What did they do along the way? Small compromise here, small compromise here, small compromise here, small compromise here. And then they ended up all the way over here. And you ask them, did you ever think you would end up there? They go, no. I never thought this little compromise would lead me to this place. But it does. James chapter 1, verse 5, has this to say about people, about us, who try to run in two different directions. It says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. I think that's pretty straightforward. If you don't know what to do, if you're wondering what your next step should be, what should you do? Ask. Here's the problem with asking. I have to recognize that I don't know everything. And sometimes I don't want to ask. Can I go ahead and tell you all something? Everybody knows you don't know everything already. So we have nothing to prove. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. That means that your good king and your good father wants to give you the wisdom to take the next best step. And it will be given to him. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Verse number 7. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Verse number eight, I do not like. 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Can I just tell you something? When you were a kid and someone looked at you and went, what do you want to be when you grow up? None of us said, unstable in all of my ways. Like, you didn't say that. Why? Because that's not what's best. None of us would say, hmm, I want to be tossed like a wave back and forth, being unstable in all things. No, why? Because that's chaos. That is chaos. And we see from the beginning of this narrative that God steps into chaos and he makes order. He gives us next best steps in order to get us to the place and to get us to what was intended. You have not been called to be unstable and double-minded. You cannot run in two different directions. One direction will win. Verse 16. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. Since here's the invitation. I'm calling you to have a change of mind, a change of heart, and to walk in a different direction and to surrender your ways to me. If you choose not to do that, that's okay, but here is what is coming. I have this same conversation with my kids all the time. Let me tell you something. If you talk back to your mama again, you're not going to be happy. But if you choose to treat her with respect, things will go well for you. That's the same invitation Jesus gives us. Listen. I know better than you know why, because I've been here before, and I kind of spoke this world into existence, so I might know how to navigate it better than you. And so I'm telling you, if you trust me and surrender to me, you will end up in the best place. But if you choose not to, then it's not going to yield what you want it to yield. Jesus invites us to repent and surrender. Listen, surrender is never fun unless... The person in which you're surrendering to is a good king. And Jesus is a good, good king. I was having a conversation with someone younger than me. He hadn't been married very long, and we were talking about stuff. And, and he said something like, well, I'm just not going to ask her. And I giggled at him. I was like, you're not going to ask your wife? You're going to die. Um, And we continued to talk, and he was like, you know, it would just be easier just not to ask. And I just went, listen, brother, listen. I have 14, almost 14 years of experience to being married, and it has never gone well if I try to operate and act like I'm the only one the world revolves around. It just does not go well. He said, well, I might just do it that way anyways. All right, okay, I'll come to your funeral and praise God for you, all right? And think about that even further. Like, I, I just went a little deeper in that thought. I, I thought to myself, what if today I go home, Laura and the kids are at home, and I say, hey, Laura, today I'm going to go hang out with my boys. We're just going to go. We're going to Nashville. We're going to have fun. I may or may not come home tonight, and I may or may not come home tomorrow, but we'll see. Listen, I want you all to know something about my wife. She loves her some Jesus, Okay. She loves Jesus. She still got a little Tupac in her. The Lord's working that out. And you might be sitting there like, what's a Tupac? Ask a friend, okay? But here's basically what I'm saying. 
It is not going to go over well. And this sweet, God-fearing woman would dropkick this brother. Why? Listen, I can't be married and live as a single guy. Those two things don't work together. I mean, I could do that, but I probably won't be a married man very long. If it becomes all about me and my relationship, that is not going to go well. But when I got married, I traded a me for a we. I said it's no longer about me and what I want. It's about us and what the Lord has called us to do together and that he is making us one. And so I have surrendered my singleness to be married to my wife because that's what the Lord has called me to. Here's basically what Jesus is saying. Listen, surrender to me whatever it is I'm calling you into because what I am calling you into is best. And we hear that and we go, man, but that is hard. You're right. It is. To surrender is hard, but it is best. Verse 17. He who has ear, let him hear. This is how Jesus has ended most of these letters. Listen to me. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. He's referring back to Moses. He's going, listen, if you hear me, I will give you manna. What does that mean? He's talking about an exodus when this nation of Israel needed food. What did God do? He provided food for them every single day. It was good. It was a gift. It was best. He said, if you listen to me, if you surrender, I will lead you to what is best. The result of repentance and surrender is a step into what is best. Jesus talks more about this in John chapter 6. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall no longer hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If you surrender, if you repent, I promise you I will lead you to what is best. But he gives us a choice. He says, you can keep doing it your way, but no, it's never going to yield what you truly want. Or you can accept the invitation to surrender and repent, and I will lead you to what is best. So now, we heard the word. So what should we do with it now? Because here's what's true. If we just come here and hear a word but do nothing differently in light of it, we have all wasted our time. God has not called us to get obese on his word, everybody. He has allowed his word to be fuel for our feet so that we can walk out this, true, this truth and truly shine like stars in this broken and depraved generation. That's the invitation. So how do we walk this out? I'm glad you asked. Let's look to scripture. It's always good to look to scripture to find out your next step. So Proverbs 
chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With how much of your heart? Y'all going to have to wake up a little bit. With how much of your heart? You know, I know there was a lot of different words the author could have used right here. Why would he say all? Because here's the deal. If all of your heart is trusting in the Lord, there is nothing left over to go astray. So he says, trust in the Lord with all that you are and all that you have. Because if you let any bit of it be left over, it will chase after lesser things. You will put your trust in lesser things, but put all of your trust in the Lord. And do not lean on your own understanding. Don't chase after your good. Surrender to God's best. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything you do, have a surrendered posture. In everything you do, fix your eyes on Jesus. When it comes to work, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your spouse, when it comes to that next step of obedience, surrender it to him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And here is what I love, this promise. And he will make straight your paths. Ever get tired of walking in circles because you're chasing after what you want to chase after? And you're hoping that it will lead you to what is best and it has not yet done it. Maybe, just maybe, today is the day where you go, you know what? I'm going to surrender my ways to your ways and I'm going to see if you truly know better, Jesus. And I'm just telling you, this is not something I heard. This is something I have seen is that he knows better. He knows better. But are you going to come to the Lord with a closed-handed posture? Or are you going to let go of what is best for you so you can get what is best from the king? I invite you right where you are, bow your heads. Jesus, thank you for your truth today. Lord, thank you that your word is life-giving. Thank you that, Lord, we have an opportunity to be changed by your word. Father, I don't know everyone today. I don't know all those who are even watching online, but maybe today is the day where some of us will take that first step of surrender and surrender our lives to you. We know that you are of God. We know that you are God's son. We know that you walked perfectly for 33 years, surrendered your life on a cross, and three days later was resurrected from the grave. And by doing so, you reconciled us to right relationship with God. If only we would accept that payment. Maybe today is the day where we say yes to the payment and the completed work of Jesus. Or maybe you've already surrendered in that way, but your life does not reflect that surrendered posture. Maybe the day is the day where you surrender that sin that has so easily entangled you. Maybe it's surrendering your next step. Maybe it's surrendering to serving in some capacity, whatever it is. May we step into that invitation and may we step into what is best. Father, we love you. Thank you that you love us full on, not because we deserve it, but because that is what kind of king you are. Lord, may we accept that love and may that love change us to walk in a different way. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. 
If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.